Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 112 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How are we doing, Rob? It's been a week it in a day. It has been a week, yep. I think in a day it's been a week, so... Oof. But we're here, it's therapy session, and we're talking about <laughs> conflict. So, uh, hey, we'll let, let's, let's, we can move through this. Yeah, We, we yeah, can make yeah, this work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. We uh, uh, had my, my game last weekend. We did. Um, we, we definitely did have your game. The, uh, the epic conclusion of the first chapter of the... Uh, of the game, I thought it went and the closing of D and D and the closing of D and D, yeah, as a system. So. I'm uh, excited and very nervous because we're going to be yeah. moving to Savage Worlds at this point. So now mm-hmm. I'm responsible for running a system I've never run before. Yep. Uh, so it's going to be a, a fun learning experience for all of us mm-hmm. as we fumble our way through it. And you're doing Suede. Suede, yes, yes Suede. Uh, it's a, uh, Adventure Edition. Yes, yes. It should, it should be fun. It should be fun. Looking over the rules and and trying to do the mental flip between story styles and 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 get a feel for it is is definitely been interesting so yeah i've i've been looking over some of my old notes um because i i didn't really intend to make this the shift until a couple months ago mm-hmm. um so a lot of my notes for uh the, the the continuation parts of of my story are written all with the assumption that it was going to be a D and D game, mm-hmm. and so I've got like links to the monster manual and like, oh yeah, you know, all, all the things. Okay, so you guys are going to do this battle and then that battle and then that battle, and then I'm thinking like I'm not consigned to just linking together a series of battles and giving you guys a narrative for it anymore. So right, and and that's like legitimately, I think the. The concern of trying to change systems is, is that you're trying to make it kind of less tactical fighty, mm-hmm. and and like your brain has to adapt to that new thing. Yep, yep. Yeah, um, that was my whole problem with moving from Seven C to D and D. Oh, and 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 flipping between the two of them because it's very different in that sense. Mm-hmm. So yep. It's a it's a it's a big hurdle, and uh, like I said, hopefully hopefully we'll all get together for through uh, through it together. I'm sure we'll do great. Um, I've got to read. I've got to read. I wrote up a big speech for you guys about how it's like this is not D and D. Don't try to play it like D and D. Otherwise, you're gonna have a bad time. And I just need to reread that myself, over and over and over again, and just kind of you know get that stuck in my head. Right, right. Um, but we are here to talk about in party conflict. Yes. Um, it's one of the, I would say, probably the biggest common um, problems that like end up really causing rifts in, in, in gaming groups. Yeah. Is when you start getting players, or not players, but like characters acting out against other characters. Yeah, and we're not necessarily, I, I would say in this, we're, we're leaning less toward, at least in the discussion, um, being just like a kind of evil character outside of the group, mm-hmm. you know. But but more forcefully internally. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, Going it's, against someone else's uh, goals, wishes, abilities, or even just them directly. And, you know, directly impacting the fun of other players at the mm-hmm, table. I mm-hmm. mean, you can do whatever you want to NPCs. That's what they're there for, to be acted yeah. upon. But another PC has another person behind it. And yeah. sometimes they don't appreciate another player at the table screwing them over. You know, stealing uh, from them, attacking them. Exactly, exactly. Or, or even just getting in big arguments with them, antagonizing, you know, and, antagonizing yeah. them. So bullying. Uh, but there's a, but there's definitely a right way and a wrong way to do interparty conflict. You know, mm-hmm. this this isn't to say that you can't ever get in an argument or you can't ever steal something from another player. Right. But 
there's certain ways of going about it, and there's certain things that should be set up in the narrative first before it really becomes a thing that I think every player at the table can accept. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and that's that's basically what we're talking about tonight. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So what do we mean by in, in party conflict? We, we list off a few of those, like attacking another player character. Yep. Totally agree with that. Uh, stealing from them is a pretty common one. I would say more common is the uh, uh, the concept of, of not direct stealing, but indirect stealing, a.k.a. Uh, that loot is split multiple ways and, and not, you mm-hmm. know, or, or taking loot early or whatever. That was always a big thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah. Sniping loot. Oh, there's, there's a plus two greatsword here that the fighter would love, but I'm the thief, so I'm going to pocket it. Yeah. And I'm going to sell it. Yeah. You know. Yep, yep. Um, or I'm going to pocket all the gems or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Uh, deliberately derailing another PC's goals, plot, or story. Hmm. Uh, I've, I've seen that a few times. It's a, it's a little more subtle, but um, but it's definitely, you know, it's, yep. it's, it's hurtful. Yeah. Um, deliberately, I, I put down deliberately, but also part of getting the party into danger. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen this a number of times where, like, you've got someone who's just playing stupidly and uh, uh, they want to be a murder hobo in the town um, inn. The tavern, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like fake. Oh, I just killed the barmaid. Oh, okay, right. why? Like you know, the yeah. gar- guards come in and they try to arrest you. Oh, I killed the guards. Like, what? Why are we doing this, buddy? Yep. You know. Yep. Yep. Um, and then selling out another PC to nefarious forces. That I found way more common online than I expected it to be. Exactly. Like uh, the one of the biggest ones that I because w- I was reading through interparty conflict stuff and I was I, I literally just found troves of it. But most recently, I saw one where a player was playing a warlock, mm-hmm. um, and after several sessions, confided with the group that he was trying to break free of it. That he was like that was one his arc that he was working on. When mm-hmm. and they were like, well, what's going on? He's like, well, I've got this deal that I've got with him, and one of the things that you know he keeps asking for more. It feels like you know, and that the only way that I'm going to get out of this is you know I've got to bring him this, and then I've got to do this, and then I've got to do this other things. But if I screw any of that up, like pretty much my life's forfeit to him, you know. But this is my way out of it. It's the bargain that I've got with him. Sure, sure. And apparently one of the characters during uh, during a portion of it, the, the DM had presented one of the artifacts. Mm-hmm. And it was this, you know, basically like a map effectively leading to something specific and it was being protected and stuff. And he had happened to get it uh, on top of the normal plot. Mm-hmm. And that player literally disintegrated it. Oh, Jesus. Like in front of the group, like, this is evil. We need to get rid of this. I'm disintegrating it. And... The DM was just like, you're disintegrating it. He's like, yeah, I'm going to cast Disintegrate on the map. So you're destroying the relic that he needs for his mentor. Well, yeah, because he's evil. His mentor or the player? Or the character? And he's just like, both of them. I don't agree with any of it. I don't like warlocks. Like, I, I made the decision I don't like warlocks or divine, so I'm just going to disintegrate it. That'll get him out of our group, and his his lord will come for him or whatever. Y'all can't see it right now, but I'm rolling my eyes yeah. and so hard at this. The worst part about it when I was reading this was, was the DM didn't see a problem with that. With the other player wanting to basically ruin another player's character. Yeah. Who, who like, was part of an active plot that everybody was involved in, including this other player. Right. If, like, the conceit is this is going to get the warlock to leave our group finally. Like, yeah. If if those words were spoken, man, like yeah. there, there's there's a serious problem at the table. Well, I mean, a, a bunch, well, a bunch of the replies were like, "So you have an, you you've got this active warlock who's created 
a sidebar campaign through his character, and everybody's bought in on it, including this wizard. Mm-hmm. And now he's telling you at this point in the game that he doesn't like this character? Yeah. Does he not like the player as well? And that was all. He, does he not like the player? And the storyteller at that point goes, I think he never really liked him from the game beginning of the session, but he hasn't said anything. Well, now's a dandy time exactly. to say it. So, yeah. Now that we're all invested. Yeah, so that was the biggest one that I read about. Yeah, so. yeah no, it's just, just, just awful in general. Um, so... I, I guess uh, the, the next the next question crossing people's minds in the flow of this discussion is, why do we need a discussion about how to do this right? Because it's going to happen? It, it, it feels like a don't do it, but, um, but, but I think that's short-sighted. I think there's definitely very good ways where you can have in-party in conflict and, and, and have a very rewarding experience come mm-hmm. out of it. Definitely. If you don't do what you just said. Correct. <laughs> you know, um... And well, the other thing too is that you know, from a, from a storyteller's perspective, um, uh, PC versus PC conflict uh, can be a little bit difficult to um, to forestall mm-hmm. because ultimately it comes down to like you've got players making independent decisions. You know, like you don't want to get in the middle of their role play and be like, "Don't role play that way," because it's almost like saying your fun is wrong, but. There is a point at which you need to realize that um, 100% player agency should not extend. You know, very, very much like freedom of speech doesn't doesn't extend to shouting fire in a in a crowded theater. Well, it has repercussions. E- exactly. Um, you know, very much like that. 100% hands off player agency can have just as strong repercussions because you're just going to start hurting another person if you don't, as the storyteller, step in and do something about it, then you're just losing control of your table, really. Correct. Um, and, I mean, nobody likes to be the kindergarten teacher or storyteller, but yeah, sometimes you do need to pull people aside and be like, hey, knock it off. Yeah. We're not having a good time, you know? Yeah. So. This is a game. It's meant to be enjoyable. Exactly. And every single one of your players should be having a good time. Yeah. That's kind of, like, job number one for the storyteller. Is to make is is to be the ref of fun. Yeah, to be ensure that everybody at the table yeah. is having fun. Everybody. Yeah. You know. Actually, I take back the word ref. To be the waiter. Yeah. Yeah. You're delivering some of the fun, but the f- half of the fun is them ordering it properly and enjoying the meal that they ordered. Are you enjoying the game? I am. But can I get a side of ranch with my ranger? Mm, yeah. Them northeastern games. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, you know, does this mean that PCs can't ever make decisions that hurt another PC? No, absolutely not. No, I think you I think you can. I think definitely there are systems that lean into it more. Um, I would definitely say, like, uh, City of Mist mm-hmm. tends to have that way more often. But it, it's a system that also um, is defined by its party connections, bonds, and conflicts. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know where the boundaries are because the game system helps you with that. Uh, and I think, uh, like, uh, uh, Powered by the Apocalypse games typically In, yeah. have something like that as well. Um, I know Dungeon World did. Yes. Where sometimes it did kind of have some, some uh, uh, a little bit of player conflict. Like, one of the bonds in that yeah. was, like, you don't trust X because Y. Correct. Um and, and again, there's a, there's a kind of a right way and wrong way to do that. Like, the wrong way would just be, like, well, I don't trust him, so I kill him. Yeah. You know, but the right way would be, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to the right way. Right. Okay. So what are, what are typical reasons for what I'll refer to as PVP? Okay. You know, player versus player. Like what, why do people feel the need to do this? 
Um, I think for me, I would say that the first thing that comes to mind is them trying to play someone. Mm-hmm. Trying to find a character attribute that would do it. Whether it's the paladin going after evil, whether it's the cleric, you know, uh, a bombing all undead, whether it's the, uh, you know, a evil warlock kind of character mm-hmm. who who doesn't have the same scruples everyone else has the and just wants power. Kleptomaniac, lone wolf, thief character. Correct. Yeah. You know, the, the ranger who hates all people in cities, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it It's the extreme trope. I think is the the struggle that that does that is people tend to push it to an extreme and what's the most troubling about that is you don't see that anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Like g- give me a piece of media, any media where that's successful. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Like where where does that extreme work? Like Judge Dredd? It it doesn't even work there. Maybe. Even he, even Judge Dredd has a compass and a code, but he correct. <laughs> All right, which means he has a compass and a code. Right, right, right. And and because of that, things change and evolve. But that's I think the struggle with most players is, is that they, when you're first developing characters and you haven't tried something before that was successful, often you tend to lean into the extreme. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the 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 goal is to you know find a trope and play a tropey character, but <laughs> not taking it to the extent where you realize that um, n- no person in existence is literally just a walking trope with no nuance. You know, mm-hmm. who 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 can't tell good from bad, real from you know, real from unreal, and just follows their trope no matter what. Yeah, I in. It's, I think the other side of that is if they, uh, if they, what is it? The difference between, you know, what would my character do versus this is what my character would do. Mm -hmm. One is a reactionary, one is a puppetry. And in, in each of those, you have the ability to step away from the player. The player's getting... Mm -hmm getting their space from whatever that activity is and making it feel more acceptable to them Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because they're not the ones doing it. They're just reacting or that's what they would do, you know? Right. And I think that's the struggle is that when we talked about that separation, that isolationism of character versus player, this is, this is where it can go wrong. Mm -hmm. This is where that step sometimes creates too much of a gap and and separates that you away from the table too far. Yeah, you know, you see you see this actually kind of discussion uh, sometimes when uh, like uh, things like racism and sexism come up in in media. Yes. Um, and it's like, well, that just it's just what what that what that character would do. Like, of course he has to be racist. Of course he has to be sexist because that's just how that you know that character is. Well, like, yeah, but there's but there's an author behind that character. Who could have made a different choice for that character, a more nuanced choice, right. a better choice, you know, that that didn't involve in just, you know, wantonly hurting somebody else with no repercussions. Right, know? right. Um, and so there, there's like authorial, in, uh, authorial intent. Okay. You know, where yeah. like wh- you're the one running that character. Like mm-hmm. you could have made any decision. That character is not 
an autonomous thing by itself that you're just hands off and the character's just running wild because that's just the character. You don't have right. any choice. Right. You, you do. You do. You, you do. do. You have all the choice in the world. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's, if it all comes back down to Uno, you have a choice of whether or not to throw down that terrible card at that other player. It's your choice to do that. It, But you can always, well, that's just the way the game's played. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you're you're you are intentionally making it challenging, and and doing things to make the game tougher for that person. Yep, you are making that active effort. You're being competitive, and I think that's the part of I think that's the the key in here is if if you've made D and D or if you've made your role playing competitive, mm-hmm. you're doing it wrong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You should. I mean. We we talk a lot about the the, the assumption of friendship mm-hmm. at the table, you know, and that's that's it. it that kind of carries through with that. Is mm-hmm. like your idea in all things should be how am I enhancing the fun of everyone here at the table as a person, as a person, correct? As as a group of friends, how can I make sure that my friends are having a good time? Right, you know, and if if you're not if you're not role playing with that in mind, then you're you're really at the wrong table, you know. Right. Go play Risk. Yeah. I mean, go go find something competitive that everyone understands is competitive and play it competitively. Go go play Warhammer. It's fine. Yeah. You know. Um, but the other thing, like like you were saying about uh, about the 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 nuance in the Mm -hmm. in in their in their living trope, is like okay, you know, so my character's greedy, or he's a thief, or he's secretly worshiping an evil god, so I have to do this. Well, maybe. I mean, okay, so you've written an evil character or a selfish character or something like that. Um, but there's so many better ways of going about things than just being a jerk or being destructive outwardly to other people, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, first off, like, most intelligent, selfish, or evil characters are going to be sure to cover their tracks. Mm-hmm. Okay, so just blatantly doing stuff to people's face is never a good thing. Um, or they manipulate their targets in such a way that they don't look selfish or evil for acting out. Correct. You know, try to make it look like it's in their best interest and stuff like that. Be more subtle about it. If you do tip your hand, you burn that person as a mark. They will never trust you again. You know, so sitting there at your table and being like, okay, well, I I am playing an actual evil character. I am... I have the DM's approval. I have the group's approval to do this. And now I'm just going to murder someone in their sleep. Oh, okay. To what end? And now who who else in the group is going to be okay with that? You know? Right. So if you're going to play evil or, or, or at least very selfish, be a little smart about it. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to bring him up again a little bit later. But in my game, mm-hmm. um, Sean's character is straight up a charlatan. Yeah, absolutely. Just a charlatan. He's a liar. Mm-hmm. He is a, a he's very secretive. Exceptionally. He's definitely got like some deals going on the side that uh, we haven't even gotten into because he's been very low key about them. Yeah. Um, And uh, at the end of this game, he stole the major artifact that you guys were out to try to get to get rid of. Yeah. To destroy. Yeah. And um, did it in a, in a very convincing way, but did it in a very convincing way. Mm hmm preserved his relationship with all of you guys didn't hurt anybody no didn't hurt the group at all um and in fact when i, I was talking to him uh, on the way home and i was kind of uh, congratulating him uh, on, on the way home from the game uh on 
how great the scene was and how well thought out his act was. He was like, and I was like, and you did it without hurting anybody. His reaction to me was like, oh God, no, that was a, that was a hard line for me. Yeah. Like I would never have hurt another party member doing that. Cause that's just, that's just a jerk move. Right. You know, I had to do it without, without hurting anybody. Right. And if it was, and if I would have caused to hurt somebody, scrap the plan, mm-hmm. they can have the crown. No problem. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's, it's that sort of consciousness of mm-hmm. the group's fun that's necessary to do this kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely betrayed and hoodwinked all of you, but yeah, did it fully with your fun in mind. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I I also see, like, as, as we were first starting to talk about this, of, of like, the, the demon trope, you know, where, like, you, you know, you're the, you know, you're the child of a demon lord who is locked away, and they're using and manipulating you to get uh, get back into the world, doesn't mean you have to be a jerk. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, y- you've got demon tendencies, you've got crazy power, you've got this voice talking to you and reminding you that you don't belong with any of these people, that you're above and beyond them, that they are merely you know, grains of rice for you to consume or burn at will. But it doesn't mean you're a jerk. It means you're Raven. Yeah. In the Titans. It, it, <laughs> I mean, it that... means, it means you have some internal struggle to get over and that's where the drama from your character comes. And maybe you should lean on the help of your friends. Exactly. And that's, those are the kind of moments, like I remember thieves good thieves good charlatan characters mm-hmm. where you look at them and you're like i want to burn the ground that you walk on and everything you touch so that you can never hurt anything ever again mm-hmm. you know i just want to melt that existence away and yet at the same time you you need them they have things yep. and pro you know and you're like Gah. like eso's abner thorn 100%. <laughs> I wish I could just rub that guy out of existence cuz he grinds on me that much. Like oh. every every step you think he's just going to turn on. You'd and be do missing something. all of his amazing one-liners though. He does have some amazing one-liners. And at the same time, he does have a compass. Mm-hmm. He has and, and it's very obvious. He is he is the opposite of uh of Sean's character. Yeah. He all of his cards are on the table. You know exactly what's going on with him. Look, I am here to manipulate the situation so that the Tharn family comes out on top of this gigantic Daedric mess. Correct. And I will preserve my family above all, regardless of how they feel about me. Mm-hmm. That is a requirement. Like, so wait a minute, you have no loyalty to us? Of course I have loyalty to you. You're extremely useful to me in this moment. That's right. You know? <laughs> and you're like, God bless it, I hate you. I mean, I don't bear you any malice, but you're <laughs> but, extremely but useful to me. But if I'm going to, to get out of this situation, I'm going to need your help. Yeah, exactly. And for that, you're going to need mine. Exactly. And it's it's like, oh, he's always got a card waiting to pull out and be like, ah, you can't kill me because you need me for this. You're always right. Oh, I hate you. Yeah. 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 Just brilliant, but at the same time, obvious. Mm-hmm. And that kind of skullduggery yeah. is, is so yeah. interesting, mm-hmm. but grinding and, and exhausting all at the same time. It's he, a it's, little exhausting, and, yeah. But I think it works as an NPC character. I think that's fine. Yeah, and I, yeah. I think it works right. I think it, as a PC that goes a bit far. Yeah, if you had a PC that was constantly manipulating everybody in the group like that all, all the time, oh yeah, no. Yeah. The only much, other person that much. I think of that does a good job of it is Jane from Firefly. Yeah, he's obvious, and you know that he can be bought. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's but even he pushed it to a point where it was too far. Yeah, and yeah. he knew where it was too far, and 
Didn't Mal put him in an airlock? He put him in the airlock and was going to shoot him out. Yep. <laughs> He's yep. just going to eject him into space. Mm-hmm. But we're going to have a conversation first, and I'm going to give you one last chance before I push the button. <laughs> it's pretty much what it came down to. Yep. And it's moments like that that you're like, oh, boy. You know what? But but that's but that's also, that's a great moment though. Mm-hmm. You know where you've got one character. You know, it, like it almost comes to PvP. Yeah, because he did sell out the group. But but you've got that moment where the two characters come to that dramatic moment, mm-hmm. and it's never like I sold you out. I just killed all your characters. Ha ha! The game yeah. is over. Yeah. You know, it was there was a dramatic moment where they turned it around. He found out he betrayed him, and they they have an argument face to face about it. And they come to an understanding, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I think, you know, situations like this can resolve like that, but I think it takes maturity on both people's parts. Mm-hmm. And I think it takes the idea that neither of you would ever really pull the trigger. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I think that's the thing. Like, I think Mel, if there, if there were a role-playing game and Mel blew him out of the airlock, I'd almost be a little bit salty about that. I'd understand, mm-hmm. but I'd be like... I think we could have resolved that in character, you know, a little bit better. Yeah. A little cleaner. Yeah. And I'd understand if Jane's player had some hurt feelings, you know? Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. So. Uh, All right. So, how do you manage this whole issue of player conflict Mm -hmm. as a storyteller? Boundaries. 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 Boundaries need to be established in session zero. In session zero, yes. You, You need to know whether or not it's part of it or whether or not you want it outside of the game. And and if you do want it in the game, what what are the soft boundaries? Mm-hmm. What what are what are some things you know? What are some edges that you can you can handle within that? Yeah. And you did yeah. a good job of that in our game. Yeah, I think I think, so. I think you set those boundaries pretty early on. That we may not like each other, we may not like what the other group's ideas are, but we're bound to work together regardless. Right, right. And I, I think that's like a lot of the stories, a lot of like the, 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 the tabletop horror stories I hear where you do get like out of control PvP going on um, are basically because you had the storyteller allow a character who has those sort of tendencies. You know, like, oh, we're playing a good campaign, but like the DM's best friend decided to let him play, uh, you know, the evil self-serving thief who just stole everything and then killed the group. Yeah. And it's like, why why would you let him play that character? Oh, well, I mean, you know, he he brought that character. That's the character he rolled up. I couldn't do anything about it. Well, yeah, you could have. Session zero, you could have said no. 100%. You yeah. know, but I, I again, I think there's, there's a... Um, I think people hear like you, you shouldn't say no as a storyteller mm. and, and to an extent you shouldn't as far as like you should be saying yes and as far as role playing goes and such like that. You right. don't want to railroad a story. But like this isn't railroading a story. This is legitimately setting up your story, legitimately setting up your campaign mm-hmm. and deciding what kind of characters you want in your story to begin right. with. Right. Um. So like Rob was saying, my session zero, uh, I, I told you guys your characters have to have a vested interest in working with everyone at the table. Right. Um, if it comes down to you want to kill this other person, remember that your duty to the Empire or the guilds or whatever higher power you hail to or whatever right. wants you to cooperate. Right. And that's it. That's like the – I don't care if you you know were a pirate stowaway and came here from a foreign land or if you were born next door and wandered into the guild one day. Yeah. 
But there's I mean, two things you need to do. Be a member had... of the guild and be willing to work with everybody else. And we had two characters in our game uh-huh. whose races didn't don't agree. Mm-hmm. And we still made it work. Yeah. Like, they were fine. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they didn't like each other necessarily, but they didn't hate each other. And by the end, they got to know each other. Yeah. So it absolutely. worked out fine. Absolutely. So. Because the players were willing to work through it. That's right. Um, so we talked about uh, vetoing character concepts. Like, yeah, man, if mm-hmm. it comes in, we're just like, oh, yeah, he's a lone wolf who likes to stab people in the back and steal things. No, stop, stop it. Yeah, and I, I think in, in in the yes and concept, if you've got a character who says, I'm a, my character is a thief and they are very greedy, they will always try and get the money. Always. Mm-hmm. It's it's just who they are. They're, they're a, a money goblin. Literally, I am playing a goblin and anything shiny, I'm going to try and steal. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a great concept. What do you value besides gold then? And mm-hmm. so, and shiny things like what, what, where do you draw the line? Obviously, like, are are you just going to murder anyone for their silver? Like you'll just rampage through a town unbridled because you're shiny. The shiny thing in front of you is, is waiting. Like what stops you from that? If, you know, do you understand that there is some like moral boundaries there? What's the yes and that mm-hmm. we can do here for that? And you can make that become something important because maybe there's something more important than silver. Silver's, you know, whatever shiny thing is just is the draw, is the greed, but there's another thing that could override that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, why do you have that? What is it fulfi- what as I like to say is that's what you're using to feed, whether it's gl- it's a gluttony of some kind, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Why are you feeding that? What's really eating your character? Yeah. Yeah. So now that you know what's eating your character, that's what you're actually developing. The other thing is literally just a affectation. Yeah. yeah and I'll absolutely. we'll play with that as as time goes through, I'll 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 make you lean into wanting to get that silver or whatever shiny thing that's in front of you at times when it's inappropriate. Mm-hmm. So let me handle that. But you're going to struggle at that other thing far more. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. You know, whether it's personal image, whether it's friendship that you just you can't accept friendship because you don't trust anyone, you know, and trust is hard to build, you know, but whatever. You know, there's something else there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So... Uh, so during play, okay. Um, so we've 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 done what we could to nip it in the bud during uh, uh during session zero. Right, right, right. And uh, so what do we do if this happens like during the middle of the game? Well, you know, you you think about punishment. Punishment is always the first thing that comes to mind because again, we're you know we're officiating a game, so we're we become official at that point, and we yeah. want a yellow card, we want a red card. I'm going to throw a flag in the play, something like that, because it's our first reaction. That's a that's a net reaction that you want to do. Yeah, you want well, you want to keep it in game. You right. Know? You don't right. want to immediately be like, "Whoa, you're role playing wrong." You know. Yeah. And like I said uh, earlier, it's uh, sometimes it, it it spirals out of out of control before you can realize that it's that it's an out of game and not an in game problem. You know. I would say what you have to as a storyteller, you have to learn to adjust your reaction. And instead of reacting to it, watch the table. See where people are at. You will find where the discomfort is and be prepared to handle the discomfort well before you react to that player. If you're feeling that reaction, someone else is feeling it at the table with you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, so you know, when you you see the thief and he's just like, okay, I'm going to go stab the barmaid. 
okay, you're going to murder the barmaid. Your first reaction is like, what What are you doing? Mm-hmm. What, why are you doing that? Don't do that. Like, look around. Check the table. See what the temperature is. Yeah. You know? If the rest of the table's like, whoa, 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 you're like, do you, do you guys want to work on this? Right, <laughs> right. Just step back. Let the table start doing now. The moment that you see that discomfort go go from a level like five in-game to out of game seven, mm-hmm. maybe that's the next card moment to kind of step away. Yeah. And be like, okay, guys, we talked about interplayer conflict. What's going on here? Yeah, absolutely. And somebody's, this is clearly getting outside of the, the realm of comfort. Uh, well, my character follows an evil god, and uh, so he's just going to murder the barmaid in broad daylight. Like, um, okay, first off, I think you misunderstand what your god is asking you to do, because you'll be immediately cut down by the guards. Right. Like, uh, have you done this before? Yeah. Uh, second off, uh, you know, may- maybe maybe we're not in a position where you can be playing this sort of evil character responsibly. Right. Like this this sounds like an NPC. This doesn't sound like a PC. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so uh, maybe, maybe we talk about a new character here. You yeah. know, maybe, maybe your other character, like, tries to stab barmaid, gets grabbed by a guard, strong-armed, thrown immediately in jail, make a new character. Yeah. It's fine. The other guy's in jail. Like, no sure. hard feelings. We roll on. And yeah. everybody in the group goes, we need another... Okay, well, I guess that there goes our rogue. We need another yeah. entry specialist. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, you stab the barmaid. The entire group stands up, moves to the next table, and goes, we don't know that guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So as the guards take you away, a new rogue shows up at the table, and his name is... <laughs> Work on that sheet. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think, like you said, though, you know, it, it, there's a certain point where you kind of want to look at that and just, like, take it out of character. And this is an instance where you should say no, you know, drop the X card on that scene. Mm-hmm. Just be like, we're not we're not doing the murder, murder hopa thing here. Yeah, unless the table is. And that's the thing is taking the temperature of the table becomes the moment is that if you if you have an established theme, maybe you're well into your game and you're hearing this in the podcast, you're like, oh, crap, I've never set the expectations. I don't know where my players are at. Mm-hmm. And I've got a player who's been doing this on a regular basis. Okay, check the temperature of the table. See where it's at. See where the boundaries sit. Maybe they're maybe they've been dealing with the fact that this guy has literally been randomly assassinating people through the entire campaign because he randomly assassinates people through the entire campaign. So now there's history that has to be handled mm-hmm. there and people stalking him and guards and wanted posters everywhere. The the the, the only the only problem with that though yeah. is, is is trying to keep your consequences in game and just trying to roll with it and yes and their murder hoboing is that uh, players um, who tend to just want to murder hobo the way the way through things just see additional like assassins coming after them or guards coming after them is just more targets. Correct. And so then you you end up compounding the problem and spending a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. They could be going to moving your for- your story forward and uh, having everybody else at the table having fun with just this one murder hobo character now trying to fight seven guards and three assassins. So. And, and Overwatch actually preempted this a little bit, which was fantastic. Um, so the idea that I read, which was, if you've got a player who is constantly trying to do this, just say, yeah, yeah, okay. And, and ignore it as if it's, sure, it happened, whatever. It's not even co- consequential to the game. Hmm. And then later, when they meet with somebody or someone important or something like that, they're all like, uh, yeah, you... you you know, why don't you all join me in the office? Uh, except for you. You you'll need to stay outside. Why? Uh, we've gotten word that you can't be trusted. My guards will keep an eye on you. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. And just literally ask them to get up from the table and go in the other room while you explain plot. 
I'm I'm sorry, you're not trusted. You're not trustworthy anymore. You're 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 not. And at that point, the player starts to recognize that their actions have consequences, but they don't mean anything to plot. I could see it working. I could see it working, but I'm going to be straight up with you. I think that's idealistic as heck. It, it is. And I would never do it simply because I don't trust people enough to get it. And I think that's the that's the part that got me out of it was like I could never see that functionally working for most groups. Because the type of person who would cause those sorts of problems in the first place have utterly no self-awareness. Mm-hmm. So banking on them having the self-awareness enough to go, oh, I'm the jerk is yep. few and far between. Yeah. Few and far between. Yeah. And Overwatch's much... idea was uh, give them an FBI profile. Yeah. 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 I mean, again, you could do it, but you're just eating up more bandwidth that mm-hmm. could be used telling your story to players who are actually involved in your story. Yeah. And not feeding a murder hobo. Correct. You know? Correct. Um, all right. So we talked a lot about um, how to curtail people doing this wrong. Mm-hmm. How do you do it right? We talked a big game about how to do it right. Ah, I think it's I think it's a, a tricky edge. I think the 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 thing that you said earlier with Sean was that he had the line in his mind mm-hmm. of where he would end. Now that extended to his character, which was great. Was that if it caused harm, he was done. Mm-hmm. And Sean had the mind frame of of, of a, a, a of a both in game and out of game harm. Right. right, and that's that's great. That's fantastic. Yes, that, that puts it in perspective. Whether or not the the character justifies the the I won't harm another person because they're a potential purchaser, a client of mine. Later, yeah, they're, maybe they're a mark, maybe they're a friend. It doesn't matter one way or another. There's they're valuable enough to you Correct. that you wouldn't cross that line. Correct. But also, Sean as a person realized right. that it would ruin the fun. Correct. And cause complications in the in the party yep. if he were to cross that line. Yep. So, so having a line, I think, is one of the keys to it. Yeah. Um. The more I've been, uh, it's funny. I've been uh, catching uh, more and more clips of uh, Amos from the Expanse. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's a character type I've never played. Mm-hmm. I've never played the guy who will do the things that others won't. The wanton beat ass. Yeah. Yeah. Who who basically just doesn't care what's mm-hmm. going on around him too much, but cares about people yeah. in unique ways. Yeah. He's he's got a, a mentality of like the these these people are my people. Right. And those people are not my people. And right. the and the my people are the ones that I need to take care of. And I will do whatever I need up to and including killing the not my people. Right. To keep my people safe. Right. And and his idea of word of, of someone's word mm-hmm. is intriguing. Yeah. He has a different mentality about when that's accepted and when it's just somebody saying words. Yep. When you know, like, well you can trust me. No. That's not how that works. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely. Know? But I think that's part of it. I think having that internal code, mm-hmm. having that understanding of where your line gets drawn. Yeah. What yeah, makes absolutely. you a hero? What makes you someone who can be in a party of other individuals? And what and what draws you into that group so that you not only can be part of a group and a group that will want to have you in it. Mm-hmm. But through that, you can grow through your issues. 
Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you, I, you I, I think concerns. that's that's probably like like touching on like the the biggest thing for me mm-hmm. is involving the rest of the group in your damage. Yeah, you know, is is like um. Sean was very upfront about Thalian being a a charlatan. Mm-hmm. He's always been a charlatan. One hundred percent. That is that is his stock and trade. Yep. It's only in fact, like I don't think he really did any damage during that during that final boss fight at all. What he did do was the clutch move of using his actor feet, mm-hmm. a deception check, and an illusion spell to pull the the pull the, 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 yeah. the uh, pull the boss off of you guys mm-hmm. and get him away from the the uh, the teammate he had just dropped right to give you the breathing room to heal her mm-hmm. and it was like absolutely clutch mm-hmm. in the in, end game roundup we did uh, everybody said that was like their favorite moment of the night yeah the pull away yeah you know so just weaponizing his charlatanishness yeah you know yeah uh, uh, to to become combat effective was mm-hmm. just was just amazing. So it comes as no surprise then to everybody when he does a charlatan move at the end and swipes the crown. But the second thing though was that we did like some some ending scenes, right? So you yeah. guys got back, you returned home mm-hmm. in the you know Dan Harmon story circle. Yep. You returned home. Different. Um different changed, changed right? Mm-hmm. Uh and we did some some scenes um, individually where you guys were meeting up with some of the other NPCs and they had just some little like two, three minutes of RP. Mm-hmm. Uh, just maybe they'd visit you and they would say something or something meaningful. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wanted to push a couple of these bonds, you know, between you guys and these other player and NPCs and such like that. And as I was like, OK, I think I think that's it. Sean kind of looks up and says, I, I, I've actually got one more thing. Yeah. And I said, what is it? And he goes, so Thalian alone mm-hmm. in his room, in his apartment, mm-hmm. pulls out a handkerchief wrapped bundle and places it on the desk in front of him. And he unwraps it and inside is the crown. And for those who weren't paying attention, I think everybody kind of knew at the table, but like for anybody who wasn't paying attention, this is the first time it's been spoken out loud mm-hmm. because there was a lot of like texting back and forth and like roles done and winks and nods Mm -hmm. you know but nobody ever said okay thalian steals the crown right you know this is the first time it's being said out loud but sean is giving this scene even though none of your player characters are seeing this Mm -hmm. the players then get to have this epilogue scene of him Mm -hmm. pulling out the crown and going now what am i going to do with you it was very seventh c and fate and that's precisely what i told him on the drive home he's like i didn't think i didn't know if that was appropriate or not because something their their players are not i'm like rob does that all the time to us in seventh c i do it all the time he shows us exactly what his villains are doing yeah yeah in the chamber of darkness I telegraph motions of, of NPCs, so it's obvious. And I, I, I kind of want to get back to doing that. Yeah. And I don't feel like I can do it in, in D&D, but I feel like I... Because I, I haven't set the theme that way. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. But, exactly. Uh, but no, I think, it was, I think it was very well done. I think that adds to it. And it but because it brought everybody in on it. Yeah. And it was... It was um, it was a great scene narration-wise. It was very short but very poignant. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, though, what it did was it was Sean's way of saying to the table, hey, guys, mm-hmm. like, no hard feelings. Like, this is part of the story. Right. I didn't steal from you guys to screw you over. I stole because I want this to be a story element. Mm-hmm. You know? And you're all you're all in on it now. Yeah. You know, here's my secret. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I, I think that that's super important, you know? No, no, I think it's great. I think it's yeah. great. So. Um, one of the things that I would, I would say, too, is, uh, you know, trying to make it, like, rare and meaningful. Make the moments where the, when, when it does happen important and, yeah. impact, and impactful. Exactly. If you're stealing stuff from the party all the time, you're just being a jerk. But, right. like, if you're stealing stuff all the time, like... For instance, mm-hmm. I had a previous character in one of your games who was addicted to magic. Yep. Um, and would constantly spend all of my money. Every time we got money, I, I blew it all on potions. Or if we got potions. Or if we got potions, I would like, hey, guys, what do you say you give those to me? That'd be great. Like, yeah. I mean, I'll forgo any of the other loot if you just give me those potions. Right. You know, um, because because of this character's addiction. Right. And But first off, again bringing the rest of the players in on it mm-hmm. um, and role-playing that addiction. Mm-hmm. So if, and I don't think it ever happened, mm-hmm. but if at a certain point then I ended up like stealing a potion from another party member, mm-hmm. you know, at that point I've established that this is why and this mm-hmm. is how. And I guarantee if you're if you're role-playing that sort of a thing, that sort of an affliction, right. but in, in any other way, getting along with the group and helping and bonding mm-hmm. with them. Sure, sure. You know, if, if if I'd have gotten caught stealing a potion from somebody, like, I guarantee they'd have pulled me aside and been like, what's going on? Yeah. You know, how can we help you? Because this is getting bad when you're stealing from the group. Yeah. Like, clearly you've got a bigger issue going on here. Right, right. Um, And I mean, you know, maybe you get the character who overreacts. And, and I wouldn't blame anybody for having hurt feelings over, or I would say in character hurt feelings. I would, yeah. I would hope at that point I'd have established the trust that the hurt feelings wouldn't extend out of character. Right. Um, yeah. But if you've at least laid the groundwork for it. You know? But again, I think hurt feelings come from seeing something painful coming mm-hmm. and not being able to do anything about it. And it just being, or, or it being violent yeah. in, in the way that it's presented, that yeah. you don't get a choice. This is happening. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think that's the other part about interparty conflict is is that if the other player doesn't get a choice, like the, they're not present in it, mm-hmm. it makes it ten times worse. Oh yeah. So yeah. removal of agency is one of the one of the biggest yeah pains in the butt. So but. just because you want to do something, don't remove the agency from others to do something about it. Exactly. So exactly. Um, and I think the part of the last, the last major point here too is that be communicative with others during the RP. Totally. When the thing is happening, like like you said, kind of take the pulse of the room. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, um, pay attention for signs of agitation. But at the same time, like, look, like if you need to take a break from RP mm-hmm. and just be like, "Hey, Rob, are we still cool? Like, th- this is in character, right?" And just legitimately just do a check. I have been in, uh, like, especially, like, at LARP. Yeah. Um, you know, we mentioned before, you and I went to the same LARP. Yeah, yeah. Not, not the same time, but... Um, yeah. Uh, but I have been, like, in knockdown, drag-out arguments with people where we were screaming, at the, almost to the point of drawing weapons on each other. Mm-hmm. And where I just real quick made the sign for this is this is out of character. Quick, and, and just said, oh, we're, we're cool, right? And the other person just grins and goes, this is great. Keep yep. going, you know? Yep. Okay, uh, permission to grapple. My character's going to grab you now. If that's if that's okay, do it. Yep. Slam him up against you know yep. gently. Slam yep. him up against the wall. How could you do this? Yep. You know? Yep. Just do that pulse check, that quick check in. I guarantee, if the other person is into it and enjoying it, like go for it. Yeah. So 
one of my previous Seven C games uh, that we had players in. One of the players was a sh- was a she, uh-huh. a, a fey, uh, and one of the things that they tend to do is steal babies. It's it's actually to to send because that's how they get more fey. Yep. One of the other players happened to be an explorer who was exceptionally witty and studied the she. Like this, one of the reasons why they were even involved in this was because there was a fey among them. And they were like, oh, oh, crap, all right, I'm totally down for this. Mm-hmm. Well, the player had been hinting at things and kind of edging in that direction. We finally got to a point where we were at a, a town, and the player was just like, ah, like I can't not. There's There was one with a child here. That, that child's mine. Mm-hmm. I have to. And so they snuck, and they stole the child and replaced it with a stick that mm-hmm. they transformed into a baby. Yeah. That by the next day would be a stick again. Like you do. And then uh, brought back a puppy to the group. And without missing a beat, I was just like, where did you get this puppy? Oh, isn't he so cute? And everybody's like, oh, he's a great little puppy. Like, that's great. We have a we have a puppy in our group. And, like, the one character just kind of goes, wait a second. You went back to town. There were no dogs in town there were no and he just picks up his dice rolls them and it explodes to like 40 uh-huh it was a ridiculous roll and the f- without missing a beat right in character voice he goes you put the baby back <laughs> <laughs> you put the baby back right now <laughs> and just goes just starts rolling through it as, yep. a, as a character and i thought it was really well done it was an instantaneous moment of role play because it was in character it was in tone yeah. it was in voice Everybody laughed about it uh-huh. because it sounded hilarious, but it was true. He was upset. You know, yeah. she stole the child. And so uh, it eventually did get resolved through just that scene, but it was the struggle of the moment. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a great way to do it was to to have the other player in tone, in voice, get upset. Mm-hmm. Like, but knew that it was coming. Like, had been expecting something out of this, Faye. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And finally it, it reared its head, and he was looking for it and found it. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that was well done. Yeah. I thought that was exceptionally yeah, well done. absolutely. Absolutely. Because um, it made it funny. It made it, it, made it work. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think that's pretty much our list. Yeah, I think we've belabored the point nearly yeah. enough. Uh, Knox did get a question in. Yeah. Um, as a DM, how can you make sure you're not planting narrative landmines designed to break apart your party? For example, I'd have to imagine the whole dark deal with a villain while you're, uh, while an interesting story hook is also a super fast way to split your party and set them against each other. How can you make sure there is a positive choice to be had? Oh, I mean, you you bring up a really interesting point with the whole dark deal uh, sort of thing. The offer of power. My my whole thing about offers of, of power and or deals like that, when you present them to someone who already doesn't have a compass mm-hmm. or a boundary, you are presenting a problem. You are. You In are. any story, you're pre- presenting a problem. Just hand it to the person with no scruples and you will get the result that you expected. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, look, sometimes... It, it this is this, this is a difficult one because I, I think the ma- the 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 short answer is you have to already know that the what the answer is going to be mm-hmm. when you make the offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's tricky because on one hand it makes your villain look a little foolish mm-hmm. for like you know turning to the paladin you mm-hmm. know the oath of devotion paladin and you're right. like. Uh, join me and become evil and you could have all this power and of course they're gonna say no they're a paladin you know but at the same time 
if the villain is intelligent in any way, mm-hmm. they would make that offer of power to the person with no scruples because they'd have the highest chance of success. But that's the thing is, is that a good story doesn't come from challenge, even for your villains. Your villains have to have their own challenges. One of the best lines that I, I, I read, and I, I'm going to paraphrase it poorly, I'm going to recite it poorly, was that you don't, uh, demons don't target people's souls that look like their own mm-hmm. because there's no value. There's no weight to that. Oh, sure. There's no challenge. Mm-hmm. So they need to find weight. They need, and that weight carries for them. Oh, that's true. Cause if I offered power to a person with no scruples, there's nothing tra- turning that, uh, stopping that person from turning on me just as easily. 100%. If, if they'll turn on their group, they'll turn on me. Correct. Yeah. But the paladin is a true believer. Correct. If I can woo him to my side, he'll stay. Correct. Yeah. You know, or someone who is struggling. Mm-hmm. Just a tug in a direction. Yep. Give them the one thing they can't get with the other let, group. Let them seesaw. Use that energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the thing about demons you have to be. Now, again, if it's not a demon, if it's just another individual, mm-hmm. why do they want this person? What gives them an edge with this person? Yeah. Jane's a good example. Guy basically offered him money, mm-hmm. which is the one thing and and clarity. Like he that that was the one thing that would take care of the problem because he knows a the ship's got issues. You know, money's needed. He was willing to share. Mm-hmm. Like once it was solved, no problem. But at the same time, he trusted the wrong person. He yeah. trusted the wrong group. Mm-hmm. And put put everything against it and it turned poorly. His choice was poor. Mm-hmm. So it all comes down to being understanding the target and why that individual is targeting them specifically. Yeah, yeah. And if that person's already doing the job, they're not going to target them. There's no point. Right, right. If they're doing it for manipulation factor, that they're just trying to slow them down, sure. There's other ways you can go. There's There are definitely other people you could go after that would be much easier than these targets. So, so. What, what do you do? What do you do if you do make that that offer of power? And now I, I kind of know my I have my own answer here. Sure. But what do you do if you do make that offer of power and the character says yes? Then it's then you you take it slow. You make them work for it. In ways that they don't expect. You don't like just immediately grab the character sheet again it depends on how far they go with it they may have a legitimate way that they're going to work work it to their angle talk to them about the side on be like so what's your angle Uh, okay see i I was thinking i was thinking more like you know in in the heat of the moment where Mm -hmm. you know they've got you know the, the the villain is standing there and he's like just bring me the artifact and i'll spare your friends sure and you know uh having the the you know the one person holding the artifact going sorry guys He's got leverage on me. I I gotta right, and then going and joining the villain. You know, at that point, like when when those two abscond together, you just take his character sheet and just be like, okay, your your character is an NPC now. No, I I would say, what's your angle? Mm-hmm. And if their angle's like, well, I'm I'm joining them. I'm flat out joining them. So you're you're just gonna join them. Mm-hmm. You're you're gonna go against your group 100. percent Yep, I it's what my character would do. All right, hand me your sheet. Yep. But if they're like, no, no, well, no, because I'm gonna backstab him. 
then mm. you're you're not going with him. Like, so what was your angle? Right, right, right. <laughs> Let's what, talk about the story. Because I mean, yeah, if I'm walking over to the guy with it and he believes, because I've done a few things for him already, that I'm just going to hand him the artifact, and then when I get like three feet from him. I literally attempt to stab him in the eye, mm-hmm. you know, because I've gotten that close to him oh, and I, sure, and I sure, drop sure. the idol or whatever it is. Great. You've done that is fantastic storytelling. Right. But but then that's not him taking the offer, though. Correct. That's him. That's him betraying the guy and, and continuing the ad, the forward action of the story. Right. But I'm just saying is like, it, what if what if he does? What if he just says, OK, yeah, <laughs> at, that, at that point, then you're you're no longer with a party. Yeah. Yeah. You've stepped outside of the story. Sorry. I'm thinking. Yeah. And, and, and that way you don't run into a bunch of like, oh, well, I'm going to still play the character, but I'm going to try to kill everybody else at the table. You know, mm-hmm. that never ends well. You know, I've I've seen I've seen some other horror stories online about that sort of thing, too. Yeah. yeah. So it's a really good question, though. No, no, it's it, it's a, it's the crux of the whole thing. It does. It does make me think. And uh, yeah, no, it definitely definitely makes me think. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that I've ever really. I don't think I've ever had a character successfully do that. Like I've had villains, you know, before who've been like, you know, join me and you can have all sorts of power. But it's always been an immediate middle finger and then a fight. You right. Know? Exactly. Like you, I don't like you. I've never liked you. You've tried to kill me a lot of times. Why would I ever want to join that? Yeah. Because you're, yeah, exactly. you're just going to try it again. <laughs> Look, for, first off, you're a lich. Yeah. <laughs> so that's we're, not going to work out. We're pretty clear as to who the evil party is here, you know? Right, right, right. Um. So. Yeah. Ah. Oh, so next week. Next we, week's topic. We are talking about how to lore dump organically. Yeah. All right. So lore dumping. What do we? What do we mean? <laughs> what do we mean by that? Because I know that. So we always get some. We always get some post show questions of like, <laughs> what exactly is this topic so when you're when i'm talking about lore dumping to myself i'm talking about when outside of the setting outside of of where the players are at and stuff getting the meat and potatoes of the plot and what's what the direct setting around the plot is Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. lore how do you convey things like history Mm -hmm. and and culture and importance of that, whether it is or isn't to your plot. Without just monologuing for 45 minutes at your characters as they slowly nod off. Especially about tea and cigars and things. Oh my yep. god. Yep. So how do, you, uh. how do you dump lore into your game and make it so that it's organic and it flows with the game rather than against it? Because it's really easy to just ramble when somebody's just like, uh, what do I know about the elves? And you're like, well, and you just kind of go off on this tangent that takes you... 15 minutes to explain you know, and especially if it's a setting you've 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 written yourself because oh, you're so yeah. you're so enthusiastic that your players asked about it that mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. trust me i have yeah. i have been there and the other thing is making sure that your players know what's important in that lore dump yeah i think that's that's the hardest part about it and uh, i'm definitely going to talk about some of my trials and tribulations that i've had with it and what's been successful for me yep so absolutely. but that is a discussion for future us you can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, on Instagram at ST underscore Conclave. Listen to us live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on MixLR.com slash Storyteller dash Conclave. And while you're listening to us live, you can, uh, if, if you are one of our Patreon supporters, you can hop in our Discord 
and uh, join the live chat. Um, even if you're not a Patreon supporter, join the Discord and join the discussion there. Shoot us some questions. We'd love to hear from you. You can find that link on our Twitter uh, or on StorytellerConclave.com. We'd like to thank those Patreon members, especially our name members, Knox in the Box, Sam, the Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion Veteran, and Hulavu. You help us so much every week. Our uh, pre-show music is Arcane Anthems. You can find that at patreon.com slash arcane anthems. Our intro music, Beyond the Warriors, is by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on Google Music. Our outro music, Only Our Footprints in the Sand, is by Midair Machine. And you can find that at freemusicarchive.org. A big shout-out, as always, to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank you so much for loving and supporting us. All of our friends who have sat with us at our tables over the years to give us these great stories to share with you. And you, every single one of our listeners, we love you so much. Love you guys. Stay safe. Good Good night. night.